right, our topic today will be, was slavery really America's original sin? From uh, Christianity Today, they had an article that, uh, well, I'll read this. It says, Christianity Today calls for churches to pay reparations to black people. Repentance is not enough, they say. Um, you know, it's interesting. They will, uh, these leftist Christians, they'll actually quote scriptures when it's quote biblical law when it comes to reparations of any kind. You know, like if somebody stole something, they're supposed to give so many times in return. But they quote these biblical laws out of context. But when it comes to biblical laws that regulate the institution of slavery, they, uh, they say, oh no, we can't, uh, th those laws don't apply. But so what we see here is uh, the leftists, uh, the... Um, you know, all these, all these so-called Christian groups, they'll, they'll twist the Bible for really a satanic agenda. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. So here is the original article by Christianity Today. It says, justice too long delayed. It's time for the church to make restitution for racial sin. Okay. Now this is a, so uh, in the article I pulled this out, this was kind of their main point. They said, two original sins have plagued this nation from its inception. The destruction of its native inhabitants and the institution of slavery. Okay, so if this was the case, if this was the case, if those two sins were America's first sins, uh, by conquering this land and taking it away from the Native Americans and slavery, then the original sins for the Israelites back when God told them to conquer the land of Canaan would have been exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. So when you think about that, this, uh, this gets pretty crazy and unbiblical uh, um, when you see the things that they advocate for. So really what... Christianity Today, and you know what, uh, there, this Christianity Today generally is known as a, uh, a liberal left-wing Christian news outlet, but if you go over to the Christian Post, uh, they were always known to be pretty conservative overall, but they're basically saying all the same stuff. If you go over there, same stuff. White guilt, um, we need to relive uh, slavery and condemn it and go back to our roots and, and look at how everything we've done has been evil and we need to repent for it. Um, like I said, if we need to repent for that, if we need to repent for those two things that America had done in the past, then we need to really, then we need to repent for um, the Israelites going in and conquering the land of Canaan and uh, advancing the kingdom of God. Um, so Christianity today has not become an advocate for Christianity. They are now an advocate for paganism, for paganism, not Christianity. Um, I'm going to start this out, this study out. I'm going to try to get right to the scriptures. John 8, chapter, uh, John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus says this, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay? A lot of t people are talking about healing today, and, uh, and that's why they're talking about reparations and repentance and kneeling down before uh, the African people. Um, they say, well... The only way we're going to bring about any kind of healing to, any, uh, to anyone is to do all these things, right? But that's untrue because we're going to find out in the scriptures here that um, 
these things that they're trying to tell us that we need to repent for and pay reparations for are built off of lies. They're built off of lies. It's not built off of the truth. Um, real healing or true healing of any kind can only happen if you tell the truth. If we keep uh, covering up God's word and we keep apologizing for things that we shouldn't be apologizing for, those are just band-aids that are temporary. And that's what we've been doing for uh, you know, several generations now. We've been apologizing for things that were biblical when we shouldn't have for, for the first place, and these problems just keep festering and festering and festering. They cannot be dealt with. You, there, there can be no healing, no true freedom, unless you're dealing with truth. And of course, truth can be found in God's Word and in facts. And uh, we, we don't see that happening today um, anymore. You know, no amount of restitution or reparations uh, that Americans uh, would be able to pay would solve this situation. You, I mean, do they really think that if we paid reparations to black people that that's going to solve America's problems? That's going to unite a civil war if you want one. Um, because, I mean, you got all these people that were born in poverty and worked their, you know, these white people that were born in poverty and worked their way up, and you're going to tell them now they have to pay restitution for something they were not even involved with? And I'm going to point out in the scriptures here for something that wasn't even considered a sin according to God's moral laws. Um, so, uh, you know, the social justice movement that has taken over mainstream Christianity is, uh, and that's really any church you go to today, there's some, uh, most of them, there's some version of social justice being taught there these days. And again, it's built off of a poisonous lie one, social justice is, it's built off of a poisonous lie des designed to destroy the true gospel of Jesus Christ and to foster hatred towards God's kingdom. So we need to, we need to, we need to deal with the truth and that's why um, I wanted to take on this controversial topic because I know biblically that the only way we can bring any kind of healing is that people know the truth. It's not going to happen any other way. Um, Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. Let's start out there um, and uh, read some scriptures and I'll explain. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. All right? So, in America, the progressives, since the days of the leftist abolitionists, uh, have had a way of creating a new morality. A morality that is not found in God's law, but a morality that they think is actually more righteous um, and more kind and more all these, something that's way better than what God already has in his law. They're creating a new morality. We, we, it, that new morality is now called human rights, equality, and all these things. They're not found in the Bible. Okay? Some of them are based off of pieces of the Bible, out of context, but it's not based off of the Bible. Um, so they're creating a new morality that's uh, higher, and, uh, you know, um, high, higher and above the morality as found in God's law. And we know that's a problem. And the reason I bring that up is because that's what Satan did from the very beginning. He challenged what God's clear commandment was. And he said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Don't follow God's commandments. 
make a, decide for yourself what is morally right or not. And I think it's morally right that you partake of this fruit, is what the serpent was saying. And Eve agreed. And Eve agreed. You know, many people... Uh, well, I'll get into that in a little bit. All right, let's continue on. Uh, Psalms 119, verse 89. People are wondering, okay, when are you going to get to the verses about slavery? Real quick, I've got to lay a foundation here. Um, Psalms 119, verse 89 says this, Your word, O Lord, is everlasting. It is firmly fixed in the heavens. Okay? So God's law, His word does not change. So the reason why I came here is because now we're going to go to God's word. We're going to go to His laws and see what God says about slavery. Okay? So in order for slavery to be America's original sin, we need to find a biblical law condemning slavery. Okay? We need to find it. So let's go to... Leviticus chapter 25, verse 38. And let's start reading some biblical laws concerning slavery. Um, I, I will say this as you're turning there. Um, well, I'll wait on that. Leviticus 25, verse 38. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan to be your God. Now check this out. The Canaanites didn't really appreciate that the Israelites were coming there to conquer their nation, right? And we know the Canaanites deserved to be evicted from that land for their gross immorality, their worship of false gods, uh, all the disgusting things that they had done there. So God says, I give you the land of Canaan. Okay? It didn't, just because the Canaanites lived there doesn't mean they have the right to the land. If God says his people have right to that land, then God's people have the right to that land. Um, that's what people can't seem to get through their minds. They think of everything from a human perspective. Well, I really wouldn't like it if I was a Native American and uh, Americans came over here and took it. I don't care. I, you know, why should we care about that? What we only care about is... What does, what does God uh, want to happen? Now, the Native Americans at that time, like I said, they were steeped in gross uh, depravity. And God was judging them while blessing his people that were coming here for the express purpose to advance the gospel of the kingdom. Okay? So, in other words, if, if your cause is righteous uh, and God decides he's going to give you something that somebody else has... There's no problem with that. And if anybody has a problem with that, they have a problem with the Bible. Um, and so that, that's dealing with the first original sin that Christian, Christianity today said that we committed as a nation. We took the land from the Native Americans. Um, right there, like I said, um, goes against uh, what God's word says there. Okay, so verse 39. And if thy brother that dwelleth by thee be wax and poor and be sold unto thee, thou shalt not compel him to serve as a bond servant. Now, a bond servant is actually a slave, okay? That's when you hear the word bond servant or maid servant, those are slaves that were owned by other people. They weren't like workers that just were hired workers, okay? We're talking about slaves here. Um, and so he says, your brother that dwells by you, uh, you shall not uh, compel him to serve as a bondservant. Um, but you'll find out, uh, um, well, here, I'm sorry, verse 40. 
But as an hired servant and as a sojourner, he shall dwell with thee and he shall serve thee unto the year of Jubilee. So your brother, in this case, that was wax and poor, you, he was not supposed to be taken as a slave. He was supposed to be a hired servant to the year of Jubilee. But there was another case where an Israelite could be sold into slavery for seven years, and we'll talk about that. But it wasn't the same kind that we're going to read about in a moment here. And then, verse 41, And then shall he depart from thee, both he and his children with him, and shall return unto his own family, and unto the possession of his fathers shall he return. Okay, but verse 42, For they are my servants, which I brought forth out of the land of Egypt, they shall not be sold as bondmen. Okay? Thou shalt not rule over him with rigor, but thou shalt fear thy God. So, in other words, we have a clear command here that the Israelites were not supposed to take fellow Israelites as a slave to do hard labor. They were to be more of a hired servant, or as we're going to find out, they could be uh, serve them for seven years, and then they were to be let free, or at the year of Jubilee as well. So, um, so right now we're reading, okay, that's not right. Slavery is not right, okay, for the Israelites to hold other Israelites. But verse 44, both of thy bondmen and thy bondmaids, remember these were things that the Israelites were not supposed to be. They were not supposed to be bondmen or bondmaids because God uh, um, was their master. Nobody else was supposed to be. Which thou shalt have, shall, now check this out, shall be of the heathen that are round about you of them you sh uh, of them shall ye buy bondmen and bondmaids there it is right there uh, in the old testament the israelites were permitted to have slaves from non-israelite nations they were they were able to buy them from the slave markets. They were able to, in, in other cases, they were even able to, um, in war, they were able to take their captives of war and make them slaves. And I'm not going to go into those scriptures today because I don't have time. Um, but it was permissible. It was permissible. So um, let's go to verse uh, 45. Moreover, of the children of the strangers that do sojourn among you, of them shall you buy. And of their families that are with you, which they beget in your land, they shall be your possession. So uh, they could buy these entire families to be their servants or their, their slaves. Um, it, you know, it's interesting that in American slavery, this was often done. I read a lot of writings uh, that were pre-Civil War. Uh, I got some books on it I was able to find. Um, it was very hard to find them, by the way. But they talked about how most of the southern uh, slave owners, they tried everything they could to keep fam the families intact um, so that uh, they would always be together and, um, and so on. All right. Verse 46. And you shall take of them as an inheritance for your children after you to inherit them for a possession. Okay, They shall be your bondmen forever. But over your brethren, the children of Israel, you shall not rule over one another with rigor. Okay? In other words, they were actually with the heathen here. They were actually able to push them harder uh, with work. 
than they were the Israelites. So rigor means, I mean, you're making them work pretty hard. So they were actually, it was legal for the Israelites to do that, okay? Um, so just to recap it here, the bondmen and the bondmaids are not hired servants. They, they were slaves. Um, so God's law permitted, again, God's law permitted the purchase of slaves from the non-Israelite or pagan nations. Um, but before we get all worked up about this, because I know there's probably I mean, people listening are like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. How could this be? Um, we must understand that there were benefits, uh, benefits to slavery. Um, the uh, oftentimes when people were uh, the slaves where they often came from was uh, from wars. There'd be two different tribes fighting somewhere. One tribe would conquer the other tribe, and this happened in Africa as well. And then they would take instead of killing and wiping out all those people, they actually sold them into slavery. So if slavery as an institution had not existed. Um, these people would have had no hope. They would have just been executed. They would have been dead. So slavery in that sense actually provided a means of hope, uh, a way of extending mercy. Now, obviously, it's not the best kind of mercy and hope, but there, it's at least hope and mercy. Um, uh, they had an opportunity, if they were taken uh, by the Israelites, they had an opportunity to learn the truth of God's word and to be saved from paganism. So what's worse, being free and uh, being in a pagan nation and eventually going to hell because you're seeped in paganism or becoming a servant to the Israelites, being taught the truth and gaining eternal life. You see, that, that perspective is often missed. See, when we look at everything from a, hu the, a human perspective, we're always thinking of what's fair in the flesh right now. But, but the Bible comes from a heavenly perspective. How, God wants to know, how can I save as many souls as possible? Okay? And uh, there were many, many African Americans, even to this day, uh, that became Christians, that would have never be become Christians, had this institution never existed in America. Um, in fact, most of their bloodlines would have been the bloodlines of many Americans today, they wouldn't even ex uh, any many African Americans today, they wouldn't even exist anymore because they would have been killed by the the other black tribes. Um, now, if you do a lot of history, you'll find out that the early Americans didn't just go over to Africa and and kidnap people and bring them over here to slavery. The slaves were sold by other black tribes, black tribes that conquered these black tribes. They took their own race of people and sold them into slavery. Um, in fact, there were documentaries I saw years ago, probably in the 90s, where some, uh, a black man went back to find, discover his African roots and his heritage, and he, uh, he totally acknowledged that, and the peop, you know, there was an understanding between both of them that, yeah, uh, our people, my ancestors, sold your ancestors into slavery. So they sold their own people into slavery in, uh, in Africa there. Um, all right. So there are many other uh, benefits. And we'll probably get into that in a little bit, but I better get cruising through the scriptures. Um, and if a sojourner or a stranger wax rich by thee, and thy brother that dwelleth by him wax poor, and sell himself unto the stranger or, or sojourner by thee, or to the stock of the stranger's family. So this was a case where an Israelite actually sold himself to be a slave to 
a non-Israelite. That happened. There were, in other words, there were white slaves too. There were even white slaves in America in the beginning. In fact, um, I believe right away in, uh, was it 1619, uh, 1620, or whenever that was, uh, there were a bunch of, I think there were Irish slaves in America. Um, so it's not only black people that have been slaves. I mean, you've had uh, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, okay? Um, and God put them in slavery, put the Israelites in slavery uh, for a specific purpose, to condition them for what uh, was to come. Um, the Israelites were also taken into slavery as a punishment for their sins, uh, by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. They conquered them. And because of their idolatry, so this, isn't, this hasn't just happened. So the Indians, the Native Americans were steeped in idolatry, right? Then God sent the Christians over here to punish them for their idolatry, take their land, and, and occupy it. Well, the same thing happened to the Israelites uh, back in the Old Testament. They were steeped in sin. They were steeped in idolatry. And God sent enemy armies, the Assyri again, the Assyrians and the Babylonians. They conquered them, defeated them, and the remnant that were left were slaves in Assyria and Babylon. So white Israelites were slaves before too, according to God's purposes and plan. That time as a punishment, though. So it can be a, slavery can be used either as a punishment and or a blessing. In fact, the Israelites going into Assyrian and Babylonian captivity to be slaves was actually a blessing to them because it stopped them from committing idolatry. And it corrected them and got them, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of a purifying thing, if you would. Okay, verse 48. After that he is sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brethren may redeem him. In other words, uh, it was lawful if there was a stranger by that lived in your land. Um, let's say there was a... Um, an Edomite that lived in the land of Israel back then. If the Edomite owned an Israelite, it was the law that an Israelite could buy him back all the time. The Edomite could not hold on to that Israelite forever. Okay? He could be purchased back. Verse 49, Either his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him, or any that is nigh of kin unto him of his family may redeem him, or if he is able, he may redeem himself. So if he had enough money to get himself out of slavery, he could do that, and Israelite could. Um, all right. But so you might ask yourself, when you're, why would anyone want to be a slave? Um, why would anybody willingly sell themselves as a slave? I mean, you think that, that's crazy. Well, today we have a welfare system that, uh, well, I'll, I'll answer that question first. Poverty. If you were in deep poverty and you had no other way to turn, slavery was at least a means of even salvation, if you would. It was going to stop you from totally dying uh, of hunger and having no shelter and things like that. You and your family. So if you were very desperate, you could at least have the security to know, I can sell myself as a slave, myself and my family, and and hopefully find a good master that would take care of you. Um, and, uh, and at least you'd have that security of knowing you're going to be able to have work and food and shelter. Okay? Now, today we have a welfare system that totally destroys the dignity of people. Um, at least through slavery, the person had the dignity of work 
and uh, they could still be a productive member of society. But today we fix it all with the welfare system where the person has no gets in into that welfare. They have no discipline, no work ethic. Where do you think that's going to lead to? The, bro the brokenness of the family, uh, drugs, crime, all kinds of terrible stuff. Where, see, we think welfare is more righteous than God's system of servitude. And it's not. It's worse. It's way worse. It's leading people. That, this welfare system is going to bring a lot more people to hell than uh, slavery would have ever done. Actually, slavery in many cases, if it was the American, the early Americans, they taught their slaves uh, uh, Christianity. Okay? So at least uh, under those circumstances, they had their families. They had a mom and a dad. They were... Uh, you know, working and feeling good about themselves in that sense rather than rotting in some inner city slum off of welfare. Okay, um, so back in those days, really, you wouldn't have, you know, back, uh, there wouldn't really be the uh, inner, like I said, the inner city slums. Okay, um, but, all right, let's, let's move on. We'll go talk about a little bit, uh, we talked a little bit about the moral benefits of slavery. I'll just say one more thing. You know, joining the army is sort of like being a slave to the government. See, a lot of times we don't really realize what slavery is or what servitude is. Everybody is a servant in one form or fashion. As a Christian, you are a slave to Jesus Christ. You can't just do whatever you want to do. You've committed your life. You've voluntarily sold your life to him and, uh, and have agreed to obey everything that he commands. You can't just go do whatever you want to do. Okay? So um, even in a marriage, if you're married, you become uh, a servant to your spouse. You're just not free to do whatever you want to do. Both, I'm not saying the woman's the servant of the man. It's a, you're, you're servant to each other. But woman's more of a servant. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> trying to get my wife going there. Um, but no, joining the army is like volunteering, uh, volunteering to be a uh, slave to the government. I, I use that word slave instead of servant because that's the word everybody thinks that it's the same word. But when you hear that word slave, everybody just curls up, you know, like, oh my gosh, what is that? It's terrible. They have all these mental images and programming in their mind of what that is. Um, but um, so in other words, once you... When you join the army, you agree for a certain amount of years, and you can't get out. If you get out, there's puni you know there's a punishment for that, um, and it, it could be uh, depending on the times. It could be uh, really if you're in a time of war, you could actually be killed for it. But that's you know uh, different. Uh, we could go. On. But my point is, the military actually provides when people volunteer to join. Once they sign their name, they're in. They're enlisted, right? Now they are committed to be a servant of the United States to protect her against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And um, the military uh, provides a lot of hope. And op not, you know, a lot of people get in just because they want to serve, right? But for others, it actually provides a lot of hope and opportunity f for um, uh, to people that did not have a lot of hope or opportunity. The military was a way out. It was a way where they knew that they could um, make something of themselves. They could, um, they could get three hots in a cot, right? Yep. And uh, they could go from being undi an undisciplined person to being very disciplined. They could go from being a lazy person 
to being very uh, diligent and hardworking. I saw that many times. You see these people, you know, like right off from basic training, you, get, you just you just tell these guys are some of these guys are just really lazy looking, and then by the end of basic training, they're like, yeah, let's get something done, right? Well, um, and then what you also see is some of those people when they leave, when they leave the army, they fall back into that um, very undisciplined, lazy routine. A lot of them just totally fall apart. And because people, their people have different personalities. Some people are self-motivated, self-disciplined, and that's where you'd have your business owners. And in Americans begin, America's beginning, that's where you'd have the plantation owners. Those were very diligent, hardworking, self-motivated people. But some people, um, regardless of race, uh, does I'm not talking about uh, it's not a racial thing, but some people need a structure. They need to be inserted into a structure that's going to force them to work. Otherwise, they just can't bring themselves to do it. And so the military, I got to see that firsthand, um, that form of servitude. Some people, they, they, while they're there, they're really disciplined. But when they're out of the system, they're totally off the wall, uh, undisciplined. Okay. Um, so, all right. Verse 55. For unto me, the children of Israel are servants. Now, this is important. What? The Israelites could have servants or slaves, but now God just says the Israelites are themselves slaves? You see that there? Who's, but who's, now I'll read this and I'll explain. For unto the children of, for unto me, the children of Israel are servants. They are my servants, or they are my slaves, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, I'm your master, the Lord, your God. So the Israelites were never totally free. Why? They were slaves to God. Because if they disobeyed God, what do you think happened? God says, I will punish you. If you don't serve me and do the things I command you, I will punish you with, um, uh, well, Leviticus chapter 26 talks about the seven times punishment. If you don't follow me, I'll punish you seven times. If you, if you still ignore my commands, I'll punish you seven times more. So we as Israelites and, and uh, we who are descended from the early Americans that built this country, we were slaves from the beginning. We, were, we could only do, we were only supposed to do that which God called us to do, nothing else. We weren't supposed to build a nation for anything else other than for the glory of God. Okay, So that's why God didn't want the Israelites to be slaves. It's not because he thought, oh, they're way better than these other people. Okay, They're way better. No, it's because he had to have somebody serve him who then would spread the message of his kingdom to the other people. And if, they, if the Israelites were in bondage to other peoples, well, then God would have no nation to bring the gospel, no nation for Jesus to come through, and so forth. So in other words, what I'm saying is we are all slaves to something. If you're, if you're saying, I'm not a slave, well, what, you know, when Jesus gave that, uh, in the beginning when he said, learn the truth and the truth shall set you free, he wasn't talking about physical slavery there. He was talking about slavery to sin. If, if, you, if you don't obey God's uh, commandments, so in other words, you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. Everybody is a slave, whether they realize it or not. Look at all the liberals and the leftists. They, they say that America's original sin was slavery. Well, they are slaves. They're slaves to the 
fake news media and all of the propaganda that's controlling their minds in the uh, Hollywood entertainment, they are slaves to some master sitting somewhere behind their desk, smiling with a grin. But this is a bad slave master that's destroying their souls. Okay? Slave masters that are destroying their souls. So there are good slave masters and there are bad slave masters. Just as there are good cops and there are bad cops. It doesn't make... Police aren't... Uh, enforcing the law is not bad. Okay, just as if we find out in the Bible that slavery as an institution wasn't bad, it's just whether or not um, which master you had. If you have a good master, it's good. If you have a bad master, that's not so good. And the Israelites were supposed to be, uh, uh, we find out there are many laws I can't get into today, uh, they were supposed to be good caretakers of their servants. They were supposed to be good caretakers of their servants. Love them. Treat them well, give them, well, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, so anyways, someone might say, oh, but this is the Old Testament. I'm waiting for that. This is the Old Testament. We're not living in the Old Testament anymore. We're in the New Testament. These laws don't apply anymore. In the New Testament, we're living under the law of love. Okay? And I define love as not ever having anything like this, is what they say. Okay, we'll check this out. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus says in the New Testament, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, I mean, you can't get any stronger than this. Jesus is saying, truly I say unto you, listen to what I'm saying, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or tittle, or one jot or tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And the, and the one thing you're going to see, whether it was the abolitionists or the uh, left-wingers today, they're always trying to change the law of God. They're always trying to say, those laws weren't very nice, we love now. And it's the same lie that Satan promoted in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that? Is what Satan said. Okay, um, let, me, let me read in here, verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall do, and, and, whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so the moral laws, all of these laws we read about in Leviticus 25, yes, even concerning servitude, are are morally just when done according to God's ways, okay? Um, and that's one of the reasons why I did this study. I often will don't shy away from teaching on controversial topics, and mainly because of this. And the reason why I'm bringing this one up now is because it has to be dealt with. The truth has to be told, because they are not going to stop until we're all uh, dead laying six feet under, because they hate Christianity and they hate our founders. They're going to not stop, okay? Um, and at least I want to pull some people away from that deception if I can before that, before that happens. Um, but anyways, when I read this verse, if I teach men that those laws in Leviticus chapter 25 concerning servitude don't apply anymore, Jesus said I would be least in the kingdom of heaven. And what's very troubling today is you have Christ, almost every conservative commentator on Fox News or even on the radio, very good guys, when it comes to this topic, 
They say it was a moral sin for America to have done that, but we've progressed past that. We've already paid our sin. We've already paid for that sin. We had the Civil War. But they don't realize when they do that, that's not going to help anything because what they've done now is they've, uh, they've not only uh, condemned God's law as morally unfit, they've also condemned George Washington and all of those founders, uh, I think it was two-thirds or three-fourths of the signers of the Declaration of Independence uh, owned slaves. The, um, the, uh, uh, the Great Awakening, the pastor that led the Great Awakening in America to get people back to the scriptures, George Whitfield, that everybody celebrates, he owned slaves. But so this is a compromise that they're just trying to hide. It's a cowardly way of not dealing with God's word, or it's just through ignorance, or it's just through ignorance. Um, or when they read these scriptures, they just don't want to see it. They just don't want to see it. But I will not let, you know, as they're tearing down these statues of Christopher Columbus, of they want to take George Washington out, they want to remove everybody, all of our founders, I will not let them tarnish these great Christians' names by falling along with the Christian conservative movement and say, oh, yeah, but they were really bad, but we're past that now. We paid for that. Um, I'm not going to fall for that game. I don't care. Uh, like I said, I don't care if I'm the only one on earth proclaiming God's truth, which I'm not. Uh, there are others that do it, but not very many. Um, as long as I'm going to heaven, I'm fine with that. As long as I'm pleasing to God, that's all I care about. Um, I would quit today if I had to say, if I, I would quit teaching the Bible today if I told myself I couldn't teach on this topic because people aren't going to like it. I would just quit because I'd sit there with this festering in me knowing that I was a coward and I wouldn't deal with it. All right. Verse, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Um, now we're talking about the law. Jesus said the law is not done away with. He says um, in Hebrews 10, 16, we have that same uh, instance. Now the abolitionists would basically, again, they would, they'd, they build their whole thing around this as the New Testament and they twist all these scriptures and they build this case that's not founded upon the laws of God. Uh, Hebrews 10 verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them, with the Israelites. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. In other words, people, you know, people get to the New Testament and they say, well, the law is just love now. No, the, look, the, when you become a Christian, God actually, the law comes from the pages of his book and there's a, the Holy Spirit's supposed to be writing them on your heart. What laws? Guess what? Leviticus 25 is one of those laws. If you understand that that institution can provide a way of, a way of hope and mercy for those who are doomed to destruction. It can provide a way out for them. Um, I will say this. Remember, people could say, well, that, that's a hard life. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. Look at Joseph. Joseph was sold into, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, but he never once complained about it. He was the best servant or best slave that he could possibly be. He gained the love and respect of his masters and he was elevated. And that happened all throughout American history. If there were really good uh, uh, servants, they were treated as a member of the household. They were given all this responsibility. They were loved by their, by their uh, owners or masters. 
Um, and that's how it was. That's how Joseph dealt with it. So if you're a Christian and you say, and you're still bitter about it, and you're maybe you come from uh, African uh, roots, and you say, I just this really bothers me. You need to read about what Joseph did. If you're still bitter about it, Joseph was not bitter against his brothers. Now that's a perfect. His brothers actually sold him into slavery. Joseph's brothers sold him as a slave, but Joseph was not bitter against his brothers. And you know what he said? You had to do it. It was part of God's plan for me to be in this position I'm at. Joseph realized that it was part of God's plan that he go through slavery so that he would be in a position to serve God in Egypt. So he could have sat there and been bitter and thought, I'm going to attack my master when I see him. I'm going to choke him and I'm going to get out of here. You know, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that. And, um, all right. Deuteronomy 5 verse 12 says this, now, or 5 verse 32. Now I'm going to go back to the Old Testament for a little bit, and then we're going to get back into the New Testament, and I'll show you where this, all these same laws are talked about in the New Testament. I know this is, this is kind of a long study, but in order to put this in context, we have to do this. Deuteronomy 5 verse 32 says, You shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand, or to the left. Now, what does that mean? You've got to follow God's law right on its path. You can't go to the left and want to be off of it this way or to the right. In other words, what does this mean pertaining to this topic? When you condemn the institution of slavery in itself, I'm not talking about individual slave owners that may have been brutal. They deserve to be punished, just like a bad cop deserves to be punished, but not the whole institution. So when you condemn the whole institution of slavery, um, you're turning aside to the left of the law or to the right. So if you're a Christian conservative and you say that slavery was a moral sin, it was terrible and horrible, you've swayed off to either the left hand or the right hand of the law. So that's where, again, that's where we can't just follow conservatism. You have to follow the law of God. Conservatism should be built off of the law of God, not built off of what human rights or equality or some other thing. All right, verse 21. Neither shalt thou desire of Deuteronomy 5. I'm kind of skipping here. Oh, I'm skipping back now, sorry. Neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife. Oh, wait. All right. Now I'm going to go back to the Ten Commandments. I'm going to show you here in a second that uh, slavery was actually etched into, or the, um, the institution of slavery was allowed and actually etched into stone, into the Ten Commandments by the hand of God in the Fourth and Tenth Commandment. And I'm going to show you that here right now. Verse 21, Neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, this is the Tenth Commandment, his field or his manservant. Remember what the manservant was there? This is, this is a slave, okay? Or his maidservant, his ox or his ass or anything that is thy neighbor's. If you look up this, these words in the Hebrew, manservant or maidservant, these aren't hired servants. These are slaves that, he, that this guy owned, right? Because for one, you can't covet something that doesn't belong to somebody else as property. Okay? You can't cut. So in the 10th commandment, 
you are not supposed to covet your neighbor's servants. Okay? Now, what did the abolitionist movement do? You shouldn't have those. We got to get rid of those. They, they actually, the, the, the whole abolitionist movement in itself was based off of a violation of the Tenth Commandment. Okay? Um, whether or not they wanted them for, for themselves doesn't matter. They coveted, they wanted to deprive those people of having mad, uh, manservants or maidservants. Verse 22. Um, these words... Um, now, did I miss the other one? Oh, let me, I'll, I'll see if I, if, I, if I miss it, I'll go back. I'll open up to my Bible. Um, These words, the Lord spake unto all the assembly in the mount out of the midst of the fire, out of the cloud and out of the thick darkness with a great voice. And now check this out. And he added no more. Well, the leftists, the progressives, they always add stuff, don't they? And he wrote them in two tables of stone and delivered them unto me. So you're going to tell me that something this important where God's speaking out of the midst of a fire and a cloud and darkness and, tell, and he writes these commandments on stone, you're going to tell me that these don't apply anymore? That somehow this is morally unjust? I mean, you've got to be absolutely insane to say that. Um, all right. I think it's verse 14. Oh, here, I do have it. Thank you. I went backwards. I went from 10 back to 4. Now we're going to go back to the fourth commandment. Um, Deuteronomy 5, verse 14. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of, uh, of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant. These, again, this, these were slaves. Nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy uh, stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant, now check this out, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. You know, back in the day, there's been slavery for thousands of years, right? The other nations didn't give their slaves a day of rest. That's one big thing that the God commanded the Israelites to do. In other words, when you look at this, if you're giving them rest... You're caring for them. You're not trying to destroy them. You're not trying to break them down. You're not trying to, you know, like what's portrayed in the movies and what we've been brainwashed with is the same thing that they're trying to brainwash us with right now, that all cops are trying to, to murder black people. Well, every time we hear about slavery in American history, um, when you're not going to the real sources, all you're seeing are these graphic images of some slave master just totally brutalizing slaves. And people think that that's what American slavery was all about. But it wasn't. You read all the, you, that. Well, that's one, re, one reason why Gone with the Wind just got pulled. They're banning it now. I actually tried to buy it. Um, and I bought it. And then all of a sudden, it off of Amazon, then mysteriously, my order disappeared. I don't know what happened there. Um, but everybody else tried to buy it, too. Um, you, they, they won't play that. Why won't they play that? Why can't you? Ha you can have roots, but you can't have Gone with the Wind. Why? Anybody know? Because they depicted the friendly relationship of the South with their slaves. They, they, they showed the slaves as part of the family there in many cases. They were loved by the slave owners, by the uh, plantation owners. They weren't 
continue. Yeah, obviously there were just like today. You get a sometimes you get a cop that'll brutally do do something br brutal. Back in those days, there's obviously not every owner was nice to his servants. There were some sadistic people, but those guys should have been dealt with. They should have punished them, and they should have made sure things were regulated according to biblical law. Um, like right here, that's why we have this. That's why God made sure He mentioned that everybody takes a Sabbath, even your servants. Okay, you treat them well. Verse fifteen, and remember. Now check this out, and remember that th this is in the Ten Commandments. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out uh, thence through a mighty uh, through a mighty hand and a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath. So really, what he's saying is, hey, you were a slave in Egypt. Give your slaves rest. Don't be cruel. Because the Israelites, they didn't have a day of rest in Egypt. Remember, they were dealt with very cruelly by uh, the Pharaoh. Um, you know, with, uh, <clears throat> you know, make the bricks, uh, but you got to find your own straw. You remember all that? It was a very uh, brutal form of slavery that the Israelites were under. Um, but God says, I don't want you to do what was done to you, to your servants. Um, all right. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, again, you might be thinking, this is the Old Testament. Where does it say in the New Testament? Surely the great Christians like Peter and Paul, they'd be against this now. Christ came. He set all the captives free. We don't do this anymore, right? Um, check this out. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Paul says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of heart um, as unto Christ. So he's telling the servants here, obey your masters. He wasn't saying, um, <coughs> excuse me, he wasn't saying try to break free or, or hate them for what they did. He said, be obedient unto them. And he says, serve them with trembling and, and sing, serve them as though you're serving Christ. I mean, this today, if... So this is why I'm, this is what, one reason why I'm covering this topic. Eventually, they're they're going after the st the memorials, the statues, and the history of our forefathers. Next will be the Bible itself. They will demand that we burn the Bible or eliminate these passages because these are considered immoral and unjust. Now think about this: Abraham himself and many great men of the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all had slaves. They're all slave owners. Now, if we condemn, if we start condemning our forefathers for the same thing, next they're going to come after Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and say, these, the, the very Bible was written by slave owners. And they're going to demand that we burn this thing. Guarantee it. I guarantee it. That's where it's going. Um, and uh, it started, this, this verse alone is anti-abolitionist right here. No abolitionist could take this and they'd spin, they, you know, they'll spin it and they'll try to say, Any, Satan is such a master at that. He tried to do it to Christ, to misquote, misapply verses and make you think there's some other understanding of that than what's really said. You know, uh, some other more just way of dealing with things. Ephesians 6, 6 says, Not with eye service, 
as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. He's talking to the slave here. He says, serve your master as though you're serving Christ, not just to pacify him, but do it out of the goodness of your heart. Okay? Be like a Joseph, in other words. Be like a Joseph. And um, you, I, I tell you what, if, if anybody did this, like if, if anybody was a, a slave and they did this, even probably to the most hardened master, I guarantee they would eventually get to his heart. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and now check this out. This just came to my mind. Daniel, Joseph. Daniel was a slave as well to Babylon. Uh, he wasn't a hard working, you know, he was a slave, a captive, but he wasn't uh, out in the fields working. But he nevertheless, he was a slave. He, um, they were actually able to convert their masters to, to God. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was converted to God because of Daniel. Uh, Pharaoh had great respect to God after, uh, uh, because of Joseph. I mean, these, but, but the biggest case, I would say, is uh, Nebuchadnezzar himself, the king of Babylon, was converted and made a prayer of repentance to God because of a good slave that served him well, was very obedient, serving as, uh, as, he, as though he was serving Christ. Uh, verse 7, with good, do, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. And that's, that's what you really got to do. You got to think, well, I'm not serving this guy. I'm serving the Lord because he has me in this spot for some reason, and I got to serve God. Okay, verse 8, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. Now check this out, whether he be bond or free. In other words, he's saying, look at this from an eternal perspective. Don't look at it as your current condition. Don't look at your life and say, uh, you know, look at this. Do things looking um, at things in the long run as being acceptable to God. And in this case, it, I mean, um, being a good servant. Verse 9, and you masters, now check this out, and you masters, do the same things unto them. Forbearing, threatening. He didn't say masters, don't be a master anymore. He said unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. In other words, the ma he told the masters, you, you actually serve your servants well, treat them well, because remember, if you treat them bad, you've got a master yourself. You're a slave with a master too. So if you want to be treated uh, well, you better treat those under you well. Uh, then you turn over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. John chapter uh, 13, verse 16, Jesus draws from the institution of slavery here. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than... Oh, I actually grabbed the... Uh, no, that's the right one. The servant is not greater than his Lord, okay? Neither is he that sent is greater than him that sent him, okay? So Jesus uses the analogy of a Christian. as He uses the institution of slavery as the most divine institution that exists, actually, because that's what you are as a Christian. Okay, um, when you fight in the Bible, there's always a physical uh, representation of the higher thing, and they always work together 
on the same principles. It's just a spiritual slave is a higher is done on a higher principle than a than the physical. Okay, uh, Peter says this. So we had Paul. Now we have Peter. First Peter chapter two eighteen. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to do good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy. It's thankworthy even if a man. For conscience toward God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully. So even if you're suffering wrongfully in a situation, God tells, or Peter tells you to endure it, to endure it, and uh, eventually God will reward you. Uh, think about Christ, the greatest slave ever, really, if you think about it. He took on the sins of the world. He carried that cross, was whipped and beaten, worse than, worse than anything anybody could ever imagine. And he did that as a servant to free us from sin. Christ himself was the greatest servant or the greatest slave that has ever existed. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. Because he, what did he say? What did Jesus say? I've come not to do mine own will, but the will of my Father in heaven. And, I, and any other thing I will not do. That's total complete servitude there. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For what glory is it when you be buffeted for your faults? Okay, be punished for doing something wrong. You, you shall take it patiently. Uh, you shall take it patiently. But if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. In other words, if you, he's talking to the servants here. If you do something that deserves a little punishment, take it. But if you don't do something that's deserving of punishment, and you get punishment anyways by a, an unjust master, take it patiently and knowing that God will reward you for taking that. For taking that. For even, uh, verse 21, for even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us. And I just talked about that. Leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Okay? You should follow his steps as a servant. Verse 1 of First uh, Timothy verse 6. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. That is so important. What's happening to the doctrine of God now because of what the le these leftist organizations that are pushing for reparations, talking about white guilt and all these things? The doctrine, the name of God is being blasphemed. By these people, not only by Christianity today, but now by so-called the Christian Post and all these other churches. Okay, the name of Christ is being the name of God's being blasphemed because of this. Uh, verse two, and they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren. Now check this out; they're actually brethren. The slave and his master are brethren if they're both Christians. But it didn't remove the earthly hierarchy in, in, this, in this case here. But rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. So in other words, if you, had, if you, if you owned slaves back in the American history and your slaves all converted to Christianity, you were to have a brotherhood with them still, even though you were their uh, superior. 
there was still a brotherhood, a brotherhood in Christ. You weren't supposed to degradate them because of uh, racial differences or anything like that. You were now brothers, but the servant was still expected to, to fulfill his role as well. He wasn't, uh, it wasn't like, okay, you automatically, well, a lot of, like the abolitionists, they thought, well, if somebody becomes a Christian, then they automatically get set free. That's not the case. That's not what Paul and Peter are teaching the early Christians. Um, all right. So the other thing is there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. Check this out. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Okay. Well, we know there still is male and female. Right? We still know there are Greek and Gen, you know, uh, Israelites and non-Israelites. And, and uh, that's just assumed, right? Becoming a Christian doesn't eliminate all these boundaries. Okay? It doesn't eliminate all these boundaries. Because you become a Christian doesn't mean you're not a woman anymore and I'm not a man. That's ridiculous. But what it's saying is you're still together. You're all playing out your role as the body of Christ. And every part should be honored and respected accordingly. Uh, Isaiah chapter 61, I'm almost done here. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 4 speaks of the future, um, uh, probably the millennium age and or in the eternity. And it says, and they shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations and strangers shall stand and feed your flocks and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers so serving and servitude does not stop ever we're all playing our role in the kingdom of god but you the israelites here but you shall be named the priest of the lord Men shall call you the ministers, ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles or the nations. And in their glory shall you boast yourselves. Now check this out. Verse 9. And in their seed and their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. And right now, we're seeing the total opposite. Now they want to say this seed, the seed of Israel, is the uh, cursed people of the earth. They've done all these terrible things. But, you know, they can tear down... I, I wrote this on Facebook the other day. They can tear down our, the, the, the memorials of our forefathers. They can try to erase our history. But you know what they won't be able to do? They won't be able to take the names of our forefathers off of heavenly Jerusalem, off of the gates and walls of heavenly Jerusalem. Because on the gates of heavenly Jerusalem will be the names of the 12 fathers of the tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples, all Israelites. Okay, They will never be able to erase the names off of uh, that city. They can do it now, but they won't be able to do it then. All right. Now I guess I had some more scriptures. Let's see where we're going to go with this. All right, Exodus 21, verse 5. And the servant shall plainly say, Oh, okay, this is the case where an Israelite, I don't know, I might, I, maybe I got this out of, uh, out of order here. Um, there was a case where an Israelite could actually make himself be a slave forever to his master. Um, and it, in verse, Exodus 21, verse 5 says this, And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out from thee. 
So if somebody sold themselves into slavery for seven years and they really loved their master, um, they had the option of actually staying with them. But it wasn't for another seven years and another seven years. It was this, verse 6. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Okay? So if somebody, again, if somebody really loved their master, the master was really kind to them, they could uh, um, go through this process and be their slave forever. Now, somebody, well, what, you know, obviously, uh, um, just think of the security. You know, obviously they know that this guy's been good to me. I have great security here. My family's flourishing here. This is a good thing. So it, God allowed for that. God allowed for that. Um, we do that with this. Again, I bring back the point that as Christians, we're slaves to God. We've agreed to be his slaves forever because he's a good and kind uh, master. So the institution, if the institution of slavery in itself was so horrible and so immorally, morally unjust, why would anybody, why would God have this in the Bible where somebody would volunteer to stay that way? All right, in closing, in closing, I'm going to read just a, a, this was a, this was a pro-slavery argument from um, before the Civil War. It was, there were a bunch of essays. It was written in 18, or published in 1853. And I just want to read a quote from one of the pages there. Um, he says, I think then I may safely conclude, one of the writers here, and I firmly believe that American slavery is not only not a sin, but especially commanded by God through Moses. Now he's summing up everything I just said here and approved by Christ through his apostles. And here I might close its defense for what God ordains and what Christ sanctifies should surely command the respect and toleration of man. But I fear there has grown up in our time a, transcend, a transcendental religion which is throwing even trans, uh, transcendental philosophy into the shade. A religion too pure and elevated for the Bible, which seeks to erect among men a higher standard of morals than the Almighty God has revealed or our Savior preached, and which is probably destined to do more to impede the extension of God's kingdom on earth than all, now check this out, than all the infidels who have ever lived Error is error. It is dangerous to deviate to the right hand as to the left. And when men professing to be holy men, and when men professing to be holy men and who are by numbers so regarded, declare, he's speaking of the abolitionists there, declare these things to be sinful, which our Creator has expressly authorized and instituted. They do more to destroy his authority among mankind than the most wicked can affect by proclaiming that to be innocent, which he has forbidden. To this self-righteous and self-exalted class belong all the abolitionists whose writings I have read. With them, it is no end of the argument to prove your propositions by the texts of the Bible interpreted according to its plain and uh, palpable meaning, and as understood by all mankind for 3,000 years before their time. Okay, 
He basically summed up everything we just said there. That, in other words, what he says is when people attack this as immoral and unjust, they do more harm to the kingdom of God than all of the infidels put together in the world. In other words, the leftist Christians that we see today, publishing articles from Christianity today, are doing more damage than any pagan is doing more damage to God's kingdom than any pagan is doing today. All right, questions or comments? Anybody have the courage to ask one? <laughs> you don't have to, I'm teasing. I'm not, not, I'm not bullying you. <laughs> I think it's fascinating, the whole study here, because, uh, again, nobody ever looks at it, because it's not a popular topic, and it's controversial, and it's... And, uh, so I'm, I'm just... Uh, Help you out there. I can't help myself. Sorry. I'm just kind of uh, in awe of the whole study of it. It's really, he, he did a good job summing it up. I'm not trying to... Anyway, it, it just, it's, uh, it's amazing. And it's uh, interesting if other people were to hear this, uh, how, it, how it would go down in the world, you know, in the eyes of society. You know, how many people would... Would uh, agree with it, you know, because it's in the Bible and you believe the Bible and you do what the Bible says. Or how many people, like you said, eventually tell us we're going to burn the Bible because it says these things. Right. And we, we were talking <clears throat> last night around the fire, uh, you know, just how the hypocrisies of, of different things. And uh, we were talking about like corporations mm. and. Uh, a lot of these big corporations like Nike and uh, several others uh, send out their products to be made in other countries by slaves and by children slaves and, uh, you know, just slaves in general. And they're the same companies that are saying what a horrible sin it was of our, of our country. And uh, even like Nike again specifically because they're the ones that are with, you know, the anti-flag movement. Right. Um, and but yet they're uh, because of the slavery and the horrible treatment. Uh, but yet they're having all their their products built or manufactured by slaves. It's just uh, interesting hypocrisy that no one ever talks about. Right. Yeah. So uh, and slaves in a non-Christian country. Right. Yeah. Most you know. Right. I was very leery of the study, obviously. <laughs> um. But I wish, like, we could have statistics because when you correlate it to, like, the bad cop and then versus, you know, the bad, you know, it's like we know that those numbers are really, really low and they're making a huge big deal out of it. I, you know, wish there was someone that kept track of those really bad slave owners so that we could look and see, like, what was that number? Was it, like, you know, a super, super small number? You know, because that correlation does make sense when you make when you say that, and it makes me feel like maybe they did blow it way out of proportion. Maybe it really, you know, when you back it up with the scriptures and you know saying that they were commanded to give them rest and they're supposed to be like part of the family, and then you just had a couple plant, bad plantation owners that just ruined it for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you get mm-hmm. a couple bad cops that then now they're totally blowing everything out of proportion. Right. With that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, they're, do, they're doing the same. You know, think about it. If all they're doing by uh, telling those 
exaggerating those lies, whether it's about the police or what they they say that uh, all slave owners were, were terrible and vile, sadistic men. That doesn't do anything but make people angry still. Now, if you truly wanted to bring healing, and it, let's say that really did happen like that in the past, the best thing to do is just get past it and not talk about it anymore if we're fine. But why do we have to keep going and digging that back up if it were true? Well, I mean, it's, it's all a lie in the first place, but somebody's stirring this hatred up on purpose. And, you know, a lot of people look at um, America, you know, the Civil War is a hard thing. Because the North won, they say the South was wrong. Now I'll bring this up. So we, we oftentimes think, well, uh, I'll take the most modern thing, okay? Uh, homosexuality. Since the Supreme Court decided that homosexuality is uh, now, um, you know, it's legal to get married now, right? Now most of the churches, what have they done? Oh, the argument's done now. Supreme Court ruled that that's okay, even though everybody was just against it not that long ago, about a decade ago. Uh, or less even, I can't remember. Uh, but now since the Supreme Court ruled that, now everybody says, case closed, homosexuality, okay. Um, now if you go back in history, we see the same pattern. We see that uh, the, the North was right and the South was wrong. Case closed. You can't even, it's not even a debate anymore. No, they lost the war, we won, no more debate. But wait a second, what does the Bible say? Because no matter who wins wars, or who determines that something is now morally right, or we've progressed to a certain extent. If it's progressing away from what the Bible says, then it's unlawful, it's unjust, it's immoral. And But we keep going more and more away from the Bible, step by step, and I really do believe it, it, it probably started, America's downfall started with the Civil War. A lot of people think that the war healed everything. I think it, all it did was put a Band-Aid on. Um, in other words, I'll say, that, I'll say it like this. I don't think slavery and genocide were America's original sins. Our original sins were departing from the commandments of God. That is what America's original sins were, compromising and departing from it. When we've done, ever since we started progressing away from it, we've had problems. Um, when we were doing all those things, all those institutions were recognized and okay. America actually, uh, well, Great Britain and America, all those Christian nations, they, we expanded. Now we're going like this. So, I mean, that, that's telling in itself. Um, but no, just to recap what you're saying too about, uh, um, yeah, the, the hypocrisy, the big global corporations are condemning uh, white systemic racism because of slavery, but yet they are uh, using slave labor in all these other countries, China, India, and so forth. It's amazing. They don't care anything about slavery. It's all about destroying America. Yeah, pandering. Because I tell you what, slavery will never go away. Somebody's going to own somebody. We might be in a transition period where they say it's evil, but guess what happens when you take the mark of the beast? I didn't even think about this. Guess what happens when you take the mark of the beast? You're branded as a slave to the beast. Everybody must. That's where the end game. This is the end game. Everybody must become a slave to the beast. So they're trading one form of slavery that they say is evil to another one that they're going to say is good. It's never going away. Even in the New Testament, uh, in the book of Revelation, God's talking to masses of people. He says, whoever takes the mark of the beast, whether they're free or bond, he's already assuming that there's some kind of slavery somewhere. It's just, you know, in the American mind, we think that that's all gone and that was just 
dark age stuff, you know. But it's it's always going to be around. Um, it just matters how it's if it's a good form or a bad form. There was another war that uh, changed people too. That was the Vietnam War, where that time period everybody was peace, love, free love, drugs, protest. That 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 was I think kind of when protesting started. There was no protesting. I can't remember any before that. Civil but that's, rights. What? Civil rights movement or protest. But I'm talking Vietnam War was 60, uh, I graduated in 66. They were brought us all to the gymnasium. They had every branch of the military to talk in to go into the, me and my three buddies enlisted, but they didn't take me. I don't know why. End of the line. You're one why. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but we did enlist. They took them three guys and they got back. But I mean, that was a time when People were starting to be crazy, you know. Peace. There was the peace sign. Love, free love. Uh, you know, it yeah. just changed society. That war. To me, I mean, right. that that's where the yeah where it was common sense in the fifties. The sixties became idiotic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the sixties was a huge downfall of America. Everybody's protesting. Why do we have to go kill people? That uh, you know, I just it was a dumb war anyway. But I mean, they're all dumb. I guess, so. Yeah, but you know, generally, if the leftists are against something, they're you know, they're. I mean, communism was. I mean, the uh, right. But we won a war since. Korea, uh, I mean, North South Korea, North South Vietnam. We never actually won those. You know. I mean, yeah. Split a country in half is what we did. Right. It's a, uh, yeah, I don't know uh, enough about all that history, what was at, right or wrong, but some people say that um, even though we didn't, you know, come out of Vietnam with a victory, that we, we bankrupted communism and stopped them from spreading further than they already were. Because I. Uh, how the youth changed. You know what I mean? There, there were. That's when a lot of drugs started, a lot of everything. But it was open then, you know. It started to open up instead of being secret, like uh, marijuana. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, now they're having uh, what is that in Seattle? It's a love fest or something. I don't know. These uh, in their chaz, chaz and chaz. Oh, that they, thing, that six block area. They have blocked off. The, oh. Yeah, they took over that uh, area and. What is wrong with the? I mean, we have 500,000 deer hunters with high-powered rifles in this state alone. Shouldn't we... Uh... I, think, I think because it's still contained mostly in their cities yeah. that we're not to that point where we're feeling threatened, but I think if they start coming out to the cities doing this stuff, I think then it mm -hmm. gets dangerous. Rural America, mm -hmm. yeah. Because you come out to our neighborhoods and our homes, we're going to protect them. I mean, and I think they know that, and I think that's why they're afraid to do it. I got a question, because uh, there is somewhat of a, in my mind, a difference between, well now especially in light of this kind of the sermon that you just gave, uh, but like slavery wasn't necessarily a bad thing, which I've always kind of felt that way because it, it got people out of Africa and into this country to become Christians and that we live in the greatest nation ever. But uh, 
But then once that, you know, like even if the nation decides, okay, we don't want slavery anymore, whether it's biblical or not, um, then came the the, uh, the civil rights movement where, you know, the black people couldn't be in the same place as white segregation. They can't drink from the same water fountain. Right. You know, they had to be in the back of the bus and, uh, and things like that. I, you know, where do you stand on, on that type of stuff? I mean, I, I don't think that's, a, that's not biblical to treat people, you know, that way. No, and I think that's why that era was probably such a tough era is because uh, we already backed away from that institution because we were told it was immoral and then we created a situation that was even more tense right and uh, did that on purpose to cause yeah who, like who made those rules up right. the segregation mm -hmm. stuff because you i because well, that was the they keep just calling it the jim crow era or whatever right, right. Isn't that, when that was? yeah right that was the democrats yeah. right it's uh you know if if you know, and I think this was done. I don't know enough about it, but I'm pretty sure this was done. A lot of uh, slave owners of the South, some of them, when they wrote their wills, freed their slaves and stuff like that. So I think if it was done, if it would have been done properly, if people would have freed, uh, you know, here and there just to be kind or whatever, maybe you had a re you really loved uh, your workers and you wanted to do something nice for them. Um, that would have been a, a more proper transition rather than, okay, we're ending it all now and everybody, you're just, how can you solve? How and are it, they all going to go get jobs? Yeah, and how are we going to solve the racial, t right. you're, you're, you're purposely creating racial tension when you do something like right. that. So I don't really have an answer to that other than it caused going away from God's divine institution of that he had in place for uh, thousands of years cause another problem that I don't know if there's an answer to. <laughs> yeah, the interesting thing was back then, the black families were much more Christian-oriented. They were much, they stayed together more. Mm -hmm. They were actually, in some ways, you know, stronger than a lot of white families back then. But now it's completely flip-flop. You know, back then there was like 70, 80% of the black families stayed together. They were a Christian household. And now, you know, since some people say the the great society and LBJ and all that stuff and welfare. Now I think the number is like 17% of black families are together. Right. And uh, yeah, I don't know what the Christian status of it all, but obviously uh, it's gone downhill. Well, yeah, with the Democrats, what they did was, uh, the modern day Democrats anyways, what they've done is they've, with the welfare programs, they, they've purposely made the, the blacks into slave voters. Yeah. I mean, they give, they tell them everything they want to hear just so they can get their vote. They don't care if their lives are really improved or anything. They just want their vote. They want a huge block of votes, and the easiest way to do that is to deceive them, keep them in poverty, keep them uh, in, yeah, victim, keep talking about slavery and racism, and then they get their vote. So that these, and a lot of black people are waking up to it, like Candace Owens, and I've seen a lot of good black people. They realize that their people are enslaved to the Democrat Party because even when these guys come out and speak against the Democrat Party, they're totally uh, vilified. Oh, yeah. It's like they're trying to escape the master, uh, except this an unjust form of slavery that's hurting people as opposed to a biblical form of servitude. It's fascinating. Any others? I just don't understand how the youth of today are 
that the younger generation, not all, but I mean a large majority have been so brainwashed. Satan has a great idea, doesn't he? Right. I, I truly believe, you know, they're talking about uh, genocide of uh, when the Americans came and defeated the Indians. I truly believe we're on the path to genocide, in not just in America, but worldwide against white people. Right. I believe that that's the end game is to punish us for our sins. And that ultimately, when, well, just look at the cities. Imagine if everybody starts thinking like that and the mobs get out of control. If they had the power and the numbers... Do you think we'd be alive today? I don't think so. We'd all be paying for our sins, uh, the sins of our f forefathers. So I think that's where, I mean, all throughout the Bible, it's Satan using the nations of the world to try to destroy Israel. Yep. Revelation 12 caps it off. It's the serpent using the nations of the world to try to destroy Israel. Um, and that's what we're seeing. And it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I mean, I knew these days would come. I just didn't know exactly what they would look like. But not Israel, the physical nation. A lot of people think that, too. But. Oh, yeah. The America being right. Israel, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that understanding alone is... Another topic. <laughs> Overcomers is brought to you by the tithes and offerings of our listeners. If you would like to support our ministry please go to ChristianOvercomers.com. God bless you, and thank you for your support. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He is loose the faithful lightning of his terrible sword. His truth is marching on.